Ordinary Youth Ministry Podcast, where we are cultivating conversations about our world that help us impart a joyful and enduring faith to your teenagers. Your hosts are Andrew Unger, John Mark Smith, and me, Ellen Vosberg. This week, we're diving into my personal war on Christmas. <laughs> John Mark, why don't you uh, let us know what our uh, icebreaker for the day is? Yeah, given the theme for the day and the time of the year, we just want to talk about for a minute our favorite white elephant gifts we've we've experienced. Um, all of us doing Christmas parties or 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 Saint Nicholas parties, whatever it is, um, I've probably at some point done um, a white elephant gift exchange. So we wanted to hear what's your favorite, Andrew. What was your favorite white elephant gift you've experienced? My absolute favorite. Um is uh, a family, there's an older brother, a a middle sister, and a youngest brother. They came to the party, but the youngest brother wasn't there. Oldest brother was carrying what seemed like an entire garbage can, like one you would roll out to the front of your driveway. Um, And he like bumped it down the stairs because our church there was, it's like a split level. So we had to like hoist it down several flights of stairs, not several flights of stairs, several steps. And he was insistent, like, we can start. My youngest brother's not going to get here. And I was like, no, we're going to wait for him. We're not going to start White Elephant. This is like the highlight of the year. So we played games for like half an hour. And then he was like, no, seriously, we can just start. I'm like, all right. But, you know, if if he comes in late, we'll get him a number or we'll set aside a number for him for when he can do stuff. And maybe like 10 people in, someone finally braved opening up the trash can. And when opening it up, the youngest brother popped out because he was, I think he was holding... He's holding something chintzy and small, but the idea was is he was waiting in that trash can for like half an hour. He got bumped down the steps. He had his iPod touch with him to like keep him company, but it ran out of battery. So here's the seventh grader or eighth grader just like curled up in a little ball at the bottom of a trash can for half an hour in a church basement, which was just incredible commitment. Like I would I would have guessed that he would have like given up partway through, but no, he was dedicated and like Beginning to end, he was in that thing for at least 45 minutes. Was it very impressive? Was the trash can wrapped or was it literally just a trash can? It was wrapped. Like that was the other thing. They had they had put the effort into like wrap up. I can't remember if it was wrapped like top to bottom or just like the top half. Um, but it was a wrapped up trash can. It was he was in darkness in the fetal position in a trash can for 45 minutes. That's Um, spectacular. My only That's regret is I didn't record it. I should have recorded it. You could have. Ellen, how about you? Did you have a favorite uh, what elephant gift you've experienced? I do. And in fact, this has nothing to do with youth group. But I, I actually go to my favorite white elephant gift Christmas gift exchange every year because I'm in a book club where we do like you bring like a really good book you read that year and we do like a book white elephant exchange and it's the best and i love it (laughs) (laughs) what can i say i mean that's that does sound awesome but yeah it is uh not gonna win the best story of the day award (sighs) but i love it um my favorite white elephant gift exchange was uh well not the exchange itself but the gift was a, a friend of mine who showed up and brought um this package called Subtle Butt, and it was these <laughs> inserts that you could put into your underwear so that if you were dealing with flatulence issues, it would mask both the smell and some of the sound. And so it was just like wow. this package, um, you know, about the size of like a of, a of a book, but thinner, and they were just inserts, and you put them in, and they were like kind of like 
I don't know how they worked exactly, some kind of special foam science fiction level material, like space material. I don't know. But they were pretty pretty funny. They got they got stolen until they were frozen because people thought they were so great. Space material because in space no one can hear you fart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We need to confirm with the real life. I, I, I think it was more for the smell than the sound, because honestly, silent but deadly is the real concern, right? Right, for sure. <laughs> hey guys, we're a real youth ministry podcast now that we've talked about farts. <laughs> this is this is a band. We finally day. made it. <laughs> we're for real, authentic. <laughs> Good grief! <laughs> All right. Well, today. I'm beginning my war on Christmas. Really, I began my war on Christmas many years ago. But today I bring it to you too. Are you ready? Does it involve cups that don't properly feature a nativity scene? What? No. That was a thing. Okay. Uh, Starbucks. <laughs> just ignore yeah. no, me. Go on. Nothing to do with Starbucks. Okay. So. Just, it's your winter break. Is this your holiday greetings? Oh wow! No, okay. So ever since I became an Anglican, (laughs) it has it has bothered me, or or it's at least like kind of niggled at me, right? Isn't that a word? Yeah. That um, that as a youth group we throw Christmas parties during Advent, and I totally understand like the logistics of that. But what I really love about Advent is that it is the like it is the the period of the church calendar that I think um, is most at odds with our general current culture, right? Um, It's like the complete opposite of what the Christmas season usually is in American culture, at least, and probably true of other cultures as well. Um, Like Christmas is loud and bright and some people like are beginning it at the beginning of November and... (laughs) Advent is quiet and reserved, and if you really lean into, like, what I love about Advent, you use it to observe and contemplate the last four things, (laughs) Um, which are (laughs) judgment, death, hell, and heaven. Um, I I have yet to convince everybody that that's a good idea, but I love it. (laughs) You know, we, we teach on Christian eschatology. We spend a lot of time with John the Baptist. And so it's always felt really at odds that then we would go to youth group sometime in mid-December and suddenly it's Christmas. So I have a proposal that we stop doing Christmas parties and instead we observe St. Nicholas Day, which is an actual in liturgical time opportunity for us to have a moment of small, simple celebration in Advent. So... This is how I would do it. And I, tr- I tried to do this at my own church last year, and I, I think it was moderately effective, but I don't think it was fully convincing. But I think you do it this way. So St. Nicholas, right, he was a, I can't remember the century now, second or third century bishop. Um, and his parents died when he was a child, right? parents were devout Christians and they taught him that uh, like you should help the poor and so when they died and he inherited their fortune he like spent the rest of his life giving away their fortune um, and like did all these cool things and all this lure like 
built up around him, right? Including that he maybe punched Arius. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Let's make all the, the church history. Where, whereas all our other stories of saints are 100% factual. That's this right. One, the legend. Right, exactly. We got to keep this one really factual. Um, so I think that uh, like it, it, it would be good to celebrate St. Nicholas Day. Not only as our as families, but as youth. Um, and I think we do that by uh, doing a service project in the tradition of St. Nicholas, something for the poor in our community, whether we go out and do that together for our St. Nicholas Day party, or we do something that like we create care packages and give it away later or something like that. And then we can also incorporate, um, like we can still do gift giving because that's a part of the traditional celebration of St. Nicholas Day that you leave out your shoes or socks by your door and St. Nicholas comes and leaves small presents, um, including like chocolate coins and oranges and all this stuff that is associated with St. Nicholas, his symbols. Um, We can still do our white elephant gift exchange, (laughs) but instead of like suddenly being out of season, like, it, it's almost like we're doubly out of time, right, when we celebrate Christmas during Advent. Um, we're already supposed to be out of time as Anglicans, right, celebrating Advent. But then when we, like, reintroduce Christmas, like, it, it's almost disorienting to me. We just so inception we- to that thing right there. <laughs> a dream within a dream. Right. And so we keep in our, like, out of liturgical time, but we still get to celebrate look toward you know what we as christians think is the real meaning of the season because of course saint nicholas gave out of his love of christ um that christ is the ultimate giver and so saint nicholas gave out of that love for christ so plus you can show a veggie tales there's a veggie tales about saint nicholas there's a saint- a millennial i, I love <laughs> yes yeah the right. yeah go ahead so, so I want to go on the record before Andrew and saying that I think it's a great idea, um, whatever he thinks. Um, I, just, I just want to be first in there on that. However, because I want, I've, been, I've been thinking here, okay, pros and cons. Like, what are the pros and cons of doing That's why I'm thinking it. And then I decided, instead of me answering that, I'm going to put you as the one that had the idea on the spot, Ellen. What would be the downsides in your mind of changing to a St. Nicholas Advent party? I think the only downside is that you're like our students will resist like celebrating a saint instead of like what they think of as traditional Christmas focus. I don't actually know. This is the theory. Like when I think about how this could work, if you really like fully leaned leaned into it, either they like don't care about St. Nicholas because they think it's a weird thing for little kids because they're not familiar enough with like his story as a saint. Or, um, yeah, because, like, that they just think it's weird, <laughs> and so they don't want to engage in it. But otherwise, I mean, I, I, I suppose it also entails that you are able to, um, like, if you're particularly invested in celebrating Christmas proper with your students, it kind of removes that opportunity, especially if you take the usual kind of break. But since we're relying on the whole church... <laughs> Since your whole church um, also celebrates Christmas, even though you don't get to do it personally, it's not like it's something your students are missing out on. So I gave you what I think was the con and then my response to it. (laughs) 
And then my immediate. So I thought you were going to I just, think those are the uh, the possible pushbacks. I thought you were just going to bring some like big eight energy and be like, none, there are no drawbacks. It's a perfect idea. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> I mean. I, so I really. That's so how I think it, I implemented it as a youth worker. <laughs> it is. So it helps with logistics because usually December 6th, you're not quite into all the Christmas busyness. So you can kind of dodge that. Um, so it's funny growing up, um, growing up in, in Canada, in the public school system in Edmonton, Alberta, there are two elementary schools that are German immersion schools where you spend your entire morning speaking German. I went to one of these schools, shout out to Rideau Park Elementary School. Um, and actually what was cool is a lot of our teachers were not just like German speaking Canadians. Like they were like Germans, either they had grown up in Germany or from like clearly German families. And so uh, on top of this, um, in Edmonton, I, I don't know if other schools do this or if this is like a Canadian thing. We had to like have inside shoes at the school. So you'd come into school and there were like in the schools, there were little like metal trays that flipped out and you'd swap out your inside shoes for your outside shoes and you'd wear your indoor shoes around the school. And so for St. Nicholas Day in elementary school, we'd leave out one of our indoor shoes in the classroom and we'd get little oranges in them. Um, like that was a regular feature of German immersion school was celebrating St. Nicholas Day, um, which was a lot of fun. And surprising, again, for us, <laughs> for as secular as Canada typically is, like here is this red letter Saints Day that like everybody's celebrating at, at school. Um, I actually think there's something kind of cool about um, this being like a sneaky way to introduce red letter days from the church year into the life of your youth group. Like I think mm. the church year is one of those tools that I think most people like high church, low church, most people like about Anglicanism. I feel like that's one of the features of liturgical churches that non-liturgical churches most like currently are trying to take a little bit like uh, you're seeing yes. more non-denominational churches saying hey what is this advent thing what is lent let's try and do that kind of stuff um and red letter days are a helpful feature because there's something about commemorating different people and saying hey this this is a terrific story of someone who was faithful and we can follow their example even even if the examples become less accurate history and more hagiography that's still a model to emulate and there is value and there's just, I think there's a lot of good in celebrating feast days and saying like, this is a feast day. This is the feast day of St. Andrew. And here's why we like him. Here's a feast day of, you know, Simon and Jude. And here's why we like them. Um, as sort of a way to kind of keep connecting our students to the tradition, because mm -hmm. I think again, to, to hammer home my, uh, <laughs> my method instead of content, false dichotomy the sense is having more of your more of your own calendar revolve around the church's calendar instead of the world's yes. calendar i think reminds us that like we're we're strange alien people living in someone else's land and so we observe the holidays of where our true citizenship lives and like we just so happen to do thanksgiving and like christmas day and all that kind of stuff or christmas day as like a as like a secular holiday but christmas day actually has its own function it's why this is logistically really hard, but I'm a big fan of doing a Christmas morning church service. Um, yes. Even if no one attends, I think there is value for a church to say, 
this is a feast day. And so we will choose to have, we, we will choose to do the thing we do on Christmas morning. And if you can't, there's no judgment, but like, this is what we as the church do. I say that. But do you, Andrew, do you do that for all the feast days? Do you have an epiphany day service? Because I, otherwise, are you just picking this one because you want to fight against Christmas? Oh, it's a, so I think, so I think you should do epiphany. I think you should do Candlemas. I think you should do presentation of Jesus at the temple. Probably do, I would maybe start doing Annunciation. Definitely do Ascension. Um, I would not do Corpus Christi because I think actually American Thanksgiving is a better Eucharistic feast than Corpus Christi because it is people gathering, it is family gathering around a feast that sort of unites the family together. So I think American Thanksgiving is actually a better Corpus Christi. I will die on this hill. Um, wow. For those of you who are who are unsure, Corpus Christi is the body of Christ. It's a feast day about Jesus's presence in communion. Um, and I'm just going <laughs> to, for, for all of our 15 listeners, assuming that one of them may or may not be informed enough and care about <laughs> Corpus Christi, come fight me on this. <laughs> okay. So I feel the need here, as I've already mentioned, I like this idea. But because Andrew clearly loves it and Ellen proposed it, I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, okay, that's all well and good. But I'm trying to create an event that my students want to come to so that they will be together and and spend time doing things together and enjoying them. And at least in every youth group I'm part of, a Christmas party is a tool that pulls in some of the kids that are on the edge who don't come regularly. And so, so there's this... Uh, if you will, evangelistic missional aspect where like by doing this and engaging them in the place where they're at and the things they in love, they come and engage and, and we get an opportunity to spend time with them. So I think that, uh, Ellen, you were underselling the downsides. There are some downsides of moving away from their, um, engaging them where they're at and the things that they enjoy. Fair enough. But I still think that the, the elements of the party are maintained, right? Like, it, doing a sort of service project around Christmas is not unheard of. Like, lots of schools do it. Like, that's a thing. So incorporating that into your Christmas party feels pretty natural. Plus, service projects are at least one of the things that our students tell us they really want. Now, <laughs> their practice is sometimes different than what they, <laughs> what they say they want. But they say they like those things, want us to offer them. So there's that. And that is usually something that appeals even to like students on the fringe, especially if you like have students who are required to do a certain number of service hours before they graduate, those kinds of things, before like scholarship opportunities, um, really uh, appealing to our more selfish nature. <laughs> so would you, would you, how would you, and okay, Ellen, if you still uh, maintain some sort of kind of gift exchange, it still has that same Christmas feel. So, so here's my question. How would you decorate this party? Well, okay. So St. Nicholas is still St. Nicholas. So like you can, you can lean into both like the, the more historical aspects of his story and the more mythical aspects of his story. And then you still end up with something that looks and feels a lot like Christmas because of course our Christmas, like the Santa. Can I put, can I put up green boughs and like, if we're doing gift exchange, can I put like, you know, ornaments around, or is that too much? Is that too Christmas? I, I, I don't know. I, think, I mean, like, how much do you decorate for your Christmas party anyway? <laughs> like, 
Church we, we, and having it in your church's all-purpose yeah. room or in your youth room. Yeah, that's that's exactly why we have to decorate. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like a party. Yeah, we got Christmas lights, we've got green boughs and fake holly, and we got like Christmas ornaments and all sorts of stuff. We've been collecting the, it over here's the years. Question. Is your church already also decked for Christmas? No, we do that on December twenty third because it's a greening of the church in Anglican tradition. So we're we're definitely cheating. I get that. I mean, I think that you could you can pick up decor. I mean, this is going to take some research and work, people. But I think that you can pick up some decor that feels both natural. Uh, so there's the downside. It's more work. <laughs> Here's what you do. You I mean, you find okay, becoming a be, going to a liturgical church is automatically more work. Like I think we're here for more work. Are we not? Yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily in the sense that like if if this church had been doing a Saint Nicholas party for you know a decade and there was a tradition and everyone knew what to expect and they already had all the supplies like that's less work this is more work because now i gotta change everything i think you just got to do a transitory year you've got to do a year that's like this year we're doing we're moving our christmas party to to the feast day of saint nicholas and you call it like the first year you call it feast day of saint nicholas christmas party or like you sort of like amalgamate these things together so it's clear and then then later the next year you just call it the saint nicholas party right like you got to ease them in a little bit you can't jump in all at once i see it's it's a three-year plan it's a there we go this is what i need you this is why i'm pushing back i already like the idea someone's got to be the one here saying no otherwise we're just three people saying that's great let's all do that you know the service opportunities thing is also kind of interesting as an evangelistic thing i had so there's a ministry at our church uh called stage four and it's for um they put together care baskets for people who have stage four cancer and the the care baskets are filled with like things that various people who have like gone through chemo actually like. And so there's all kinds of cool details like that. But the head of that ministry reached out to me this week saying, Hey, we're right across from a high school. Like don't high schoolers have to like for national honor society and key club, like don't they have to do volunteer stuff? Do you think we could recruit some high schoolers to like get their service hours by coming here and helping us, fill cancer ba- cancer baskets like that and i was like oh that's actually a terrific idea and we sort of talked about how you would do that and reaching out to the local national honor society thing but um this could be another way to say hey local high schools we're just doing we're organizing a day because some of you might not have easy ways to get connected to those volunteer hours so we're gonna help you we're gonna do like you know you wouldn't i don't know, maybe the this is a, a grand vision for it but you like connect with lots of local organizations and you say we're going to bring all the high schoolers together and invite everybody and we'll have like 10 different projects you can do and like the scope could wow. be as big as you want it um yeah that sounds like a lot of work and as i say it i realize i'm not going to do all that but <laughs> um, but it's a great idea if you have the resources to do something right like that. yeah you could also decorate yeah. uh, according to turkish tradition because nicholas was bishop of mira in turkey in modern day Turkey. So, you know. Perfect. See? It can be exotic that way. Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we want to encourage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Ellen, do you or do you not include Krampus in your St. Nicholas Day festivities? Wow. Is it, isn't he kind of racist? Probably. It, 
I'm not entirely sure. I can't Probably remember, depends. Because there's like one of these traditions where Santa has a slave that goes with him. I don't yeah. think we should incorporate that myth. <laughs> so there is, um, if you're familiar with David Sedaris, he writes essays and sometimes talks on NPR. He has a an essay that he's read out loud called Six to Eight Black Men. And it is about learning about the Krampus tradition. So in various parts, like Netherlands area, um, mm-hmm. St. Nicholas gives you presents, but if you're bad, Krampus, this like beast creature, throws you in in a sack and carries you away and like beats you with sticks. And as the Dutch people were explaining this to him, at, at one point it was slaves, but they realized that was racist. And so they, they sort of just made it like a vague company of people. It's still a little bit sketchy in his telling. Um, but I'm going to okay. put it in the show notes because it's a... I know very little about Krampus. Storyteller. So I definitely just pulled up his Wikipedia. And he often <laughs> is depicted as helping St. Nicholas. And so it's like there's a picture of a saint literally wearing like a bishop's garb with like a little right. devil figure next to him. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Why? It's so yes. weird. Yeah, yeah, you gotta watch out. But I guess it does have explanatory power because it explains why some of your gifts, gifts suck. It's like, oh, that was from Krampus. St. Nick yeah. gives a good one. And then the bad one... Oh, that must have been from Krampus. Well, and the I Krampus, think it's a version of the like naughty and nice aspect right. of the Santa myth. Uh, I imagine we in, in the sanitized West eventually just got rid of Krampus and said, well, you just get coal. You don't get taken in a sack and beaten by this <laughs> mythical beast that's partnering with the former Bishop of Turkey. It's just, yeah, it's just the former exactly. Bishop of Turkey gives you coal instead. All right, so I want to go back, Ellen. You said early on that you tried doing this at your church last year. So I want to hear more about what you tried to do and how it went. Okay, so I think it actually went well. So last year, I helped plan this party that I I encouraged our little group of planners, our youth pastor, to kind of base on St. Nicholas Day, that we should incorporate that into what we're doing. We did it like pretty close to the feast day. Um, I think maybe the Sunday after. And uh, and then I injured myself <laughs> the day before and, like, couldn't go. <laughs> um, like, I hurt my leg and couldn't, like, walk down the stairs of my apartment. Um, so I didn't make it to <laughs> the St. Nicholas Day So what you're saying is that, that this was a terrible idea. It causes injuries. No one should do it. <laughs> or you'll break your leg and won't be able to go anywhere. No, my injury was separate from... The planning and preparation for the St. Nicholas Day party. But from what I heard, it went well. And in fact, although like this year, because this year I'm also not super a part of the planning for the Christmas party either because I'm on maternity leave. But um, like this year, they're still doing like a a little service project, a gift exchange. I don't know how much he plans to talk about St. Nicholas and it's uh, like this coming weekend. So it's more distant from St. Nicholas's. Can I ask a question about how you did that logistically, Ellen? Did, how long was the party? How long was the service project part? How did you transition? Did you let people come to only Mm. part of it? Tell tell me, talk, walk me through how you laid it out. So we are, our service project last year was that we made, like you brought a little money and we created like um, care packages for the homeless that then like ostensibly a student could take and give out themselves. Like I think we offered that opportunity for them to be a part of however we ended up handing them out as well. Um, so we created these little care packages. We bought all the stuff that needed to go in them. Then we'll, we had our students like create an assembly line and, and prepare them. Um, 
I think we also had the students like write a little note um, to be included with each care package. Um, and so, yeah, and then they did like a, I think a normal sort of white elephant gift exchange. Um, but no, like, I, I suppose you could have just shown up for part of it if you wanted to, but so you <laughs> that's not you weren't, you didn't how go, our students roll. But you didn't like go somewhere and do a service project and then come back for a party. It was like no, this no, one no. event. No, no, no. We did it all place. at the place. Yes, because we were yeah. creating care packages. Right, exactly. We didn't go anywhere. Although you could. I'm not ruling that out. That's just not how we did it. Um, so we all sort of stayed in one place. We had we had food. We did the gift exchange. And we did this like little preparation of these care packages together. I think they're planning a similar kind of like care package. But for shut-ins this year. That's cool. I, that sounds great. Yeah. So yeah, see, it does maintain sort of the logistics of your how, standard. How Christmas long party. did your party last, if I could say, from beginning to end? I think I'm it was curious. two hours. Did you hours? make it longer? Okay. Yeah. So it was like Normally an hour we meet for about an hour and a half and... for youth group, and then we did two hours for a Christmas party. Gotcha. And I did, um, once again, I don't know what actually ended up happening. I also encouraged the youth pastor to, like, do some kind of um, – uh, like little devotional in which he talked about Saint Nick, <laughs> um, so that like you got kind of like the story of the saint incorporated in what we were doing. Yeah, see, when you were talking about this earlier, I was thinking, do I have enough students that be good at? It'd be fun, fun, like to ways to take like the lives of saints in this case, Saint Nicholas, and then turn that story and learning about it into something fun. So I was trying to imagine, could you take a, mm. could you create like some fun, like if you had the right kind of students, it would be interesting, like, hey, let's work together and like come up with a funny skit or story or something to do that was like based on the life of St. Nicholas. So it's kind of like an entertainment sex part of the, of the party. All Souls in Wheaton, Illinois does a yearly St. Nicholas Day pageant. Like they have a full pageant. It includes... It includes the St. Nicholas and there's um, there's a number of, it's sort of more every year is sort of a little bit different, but um, it included things like him um, paying for the dowry for this poor family who had like three daughters and they couldn't afford to, to be wed. And so like he secretly gave them like dowries for each of their daughters before they were wed. Um, there is like the, the town was super poor and so um like they were having a bread shortage and there's some like sea captain who comes by and like nicholas convinces him to give all of his bread to the poor in his in his town he's like you'll have what you need when you arrive at the next port and they get to the next port and miraculously the ship is full of all the bread that they were supposed to have and so they were like very, and they they included like briefly they briefly included the uh arius slap but i feel like I feel like there was a time in which slapping Arius became like the cool thing to say about St. Nicholas. But now the cool thing is to say that probably didn't happen. And we need to stop. To, like, I feel like the the Twitter discourse about St. Nicholas has shifted. I, I, I want to say that Andrew has just welcomed us into a tiny, tiny subculture where whether or not he actually slapped him is an issue of which there is a popular <laughs> opinion about. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. He has a very strongly held opinion. 
It is, yeah. So, so what I was thinking though, to make it fun more, and maybe you'll make fun of me for being stereotypical on this, but like to make it fun and be like, take take some story about something in his life, right? And then it's almost like put it in a mixer and be like, okay, you're gonna do that in Shakespeare style. You're gonna do that in like whatever. Like pick some random context to put it in, and then like kind of come up with a story where it's like based on that part of his life, and then you 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 kind of create a fun skit in some random like. This one's high Elizabethan. This one's Stone Age version. I don't know. Like, just change up a few things so that you have to tell that story, but in a funny way. I think that's a great idea. And in fact, there's a there's an organization called the St. Nicholas Center. Um, and it's at a seminary that I can't remember the name of. But they run a website where they, like, give you lots of information about not only St. Nicholas um, and his story, but also how... Like it's kind of celebrated around the world. There's like activity ideas. There are recipes, um, and like what one on like they they tell a pretty detailed um, like retelling not only of what we know about his his um, life like historically, but also like some of the the more wild like things that people say he's been a part of both prior to and after his death <laughs> um and so like that those those little vignettes are really ripe for what you're talking about all right Wait, what do you mean by after his death <laughs> well i mean like delivering the, presents through a chimney obviously yeah i was gonna say like the the way that the saint nicholas myth has uh developed like i mean he's dead <laughs> But he still brings us presents every year. He's Christmas. alive with Christ. He's he's being he's given a Christ, chance. Delivering gifts yearly. You guys make me sound like I'm the bad guy who doesn't believe in the resurrection because <laughs> I simply wondered what what posthumous miracles Saint Nicholas was doing. Well, I mean, part of becoming a saint in the church, Andrew, is that you do some posthumous miracles, of which, uh, like. It's, uh, St. Nicholas is, I think, like, some sort of healing manna, like, oh. it developed on his grave. That's part of him becoming a saint. I feel like the, the Catholic Church has gotten a lot looser on those posthumous miracles in no, the last little while. It's only, you have to do two miracles pre-death. Like, you have two verified miracles be canonized, but it's before you, you die. Well, for you to Nick be canonized. Did some posthumous miracles too. All right. Well, you know what? Good for him. What an overachiever. Saint Nicholas. <laughs> the, I love the Saint Nicholas Santa Center. Claus. Yeah, Saint Nicholas Center. Their banner is like says discovering the truth about Santa Claus, which I feel like would also be the banner for like a Santa Claus conspiracy theory website, like telling you the truth about Santa Claus. Um, but this is this is a very elaborate website there is a lot of stuff here um so yeah everybody should go everybody should re-listen to this episode next november so you have time to plan your own saint nicholas party you have a whole year to think about it that's right i think it's i mean we're talking about big things but you mentioned something early on of a small simple celebration and i think there's something about um i have enjoyed that the, the some of the Christmas parties we've done with youth group that felt sort of cozy and comfy. Um, it sort of felt like everybody was kind of like hanging out together and we did our white elephant gift exchange and then like watch a Christmas movie, things like that. Um, I like, I like cozier feeling things. 
Um, so John Mark, yeah. as you're describing, like come up with a play, I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea and exactly the kind of idea that I will never, ever do because that well, is just I like the idea totally out of my too. wheelhouse. But but there comes this point and, and you know, we are not a large youth group, but our Christmas party yesterday, we hit, we were 29 students and you hit this point where suddenly you realize you get, you're too big for cozy. Like you can't, yeah. mm-hmm. you can't just all sit around a room and just chill because there's too many people there. There, it, it doesn't work. We actually had to move, speaking of locations, from we have this really nice Abbey house that's like nice furniture, feels like a living room, and that's where we always did our Christmas party. And last year we did it, and I was like, uh, this is not working because there's too many people here. So we had to move down to our very stale, very bland concrete floor, like cinder block wall, fellowship hall, um, and do our party there just because we needed the space. Um, so it changes the feel a lot when, you know, the first year I was at the church I'm at now, we literally just met in someone's home in their living room, kind of did a few things, made some cookies and had a gift exchange. And it was very cozy. And now there's no one, no one that I know who owns a living room big enough for all of us to hang out in. So it changes what you got to do. Yeah. I did the the largest we did a white gil- white elephant gift exchange with like 28 people. That takes a very, very long time. Yes. Um, That's the other reason that I su- subtly did not want to do it this year. Was I was like, this is be all we do. Like, this will be all we do. Yeah, it takes a, a good 45 minutes to get through all the presents, especially depending on how much stealing you do. Um, and it's more fun a when lot you of, steal. So. It is way more fun when you steal a lot. Um yeah, the stealing is my favorite part of the White Elephant Gift Exchange. Well, Ellen, you have convinced me I am going to, if I remember it next November, I'm going to make a little to-do list item that says St. Nicholas Party. And <laughs> See, I'm now I'm thinking we got to expand this. We got we to gotta start doing all our youth group parties around some saint. You know, like, let's just make all our parties be something. I mean, um, St. Patrick's Day is like ripe for the picking right there. So. It is. But I need to find saints who have saints days near things I want to do anyway. So end of the semester, start the school year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where there's a delightful little kids book called My Book of the Church's Year. Uh, it is like this like 19th century book with all the like little like drawings of all the all the feast days. So what you want end of the school year, early June, you've got St. Boniface on June 5th. Uh, St. Barnabas on the 11th, distributing money to the hungry. There you go. We, we can finish school in May down here, but thank you. Oh, that's fine. I can do May. Venerable <laughs> Bede is on the 27th. Oh my gosh. St. Augustine. Celebrate the end of Canterbury. school. The Venerable Bede. <laughs> the Venerable Bede. <laughs> on May 12th, St. Pancras, a boy martyr. Uh, the patron smith of... Or the patron Celebrate the end of school with on the 19th. another kid who didn't make it to the end of school. <laughs> Look, it's St. Augustine of Canterbury is the 26th of May, teaching the That's English. We can celebrate those pagan English finally becoming Christians <laughs> at the end of our school year. Well, sounds like we have a plan. Yeah. yeah we're set. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for joining us today on the Ordinary Youth Ministry Podcast. You can find our podcast online at ordinaryyouthministry.com and at OrdinaryCast. You can also contact us directly with any questions, comments, or ideas at ordinaryyouthministry at gmail.com. We hope this conversation will help you impart a joyful and enduring faith to your teenagers. See you next time.